Get ready for a journey into the heart of Bridgeport politics with In Absentia, a new podcast from Connecticut Public's investigative team, The Accountability Project. Learn about the city's past and present political dysfunction and the systems that enable it. Tune in wherever you get your podcasts. Funding provided by Francisco L. Borges and the Melville Charitable Trust. This is where we live on Connecticut Public Radio. I'm Lucy Nalpathanchel, broadcasting remotely. Connecticut's two tribal-owned casinos have partially reopened today after being closed since March. Do you plan on going to Foxwoods Resort Casino or Mohegan Sun? Coming up, we talk to Rodney Butler, chairman of the Mashantucket Pequots and executive at Foxwoods, about the reopening and how he sees the casino industry surviving in a time when the nation is still dealing with a public health crisis. First, Connecticut Governor Ned Lamont joins us for the first part of our show to talk about the next phase of reopening our state. What questions do you have for him? Here's the number, 888-720-9677. That's 888-720-WNPR. As always, find us on Facebook and Twitter, at Where We Live. Governor Ned Lamont joins us now by phone. Governor Lamont, welcome back to the show. Good morning, Lucy. Uh, As you know, widespread protests uh, in our state and nation over the weekend, uh, even earlier after the death of George Floyd in Minnesota. Uh, What's your reaction to what we're seeing yet again on our streets? I'm totally, um, you know, one with the people who are standing up and saying, how can this continue? Uh, We've had four of these incidents over the last 40 years. 50 years, 100 years in this country, and the progress is so slow. I also um, thank the protesters, the overwhelming majority of whom um, were peaceful, and I think that makes a much more positive uh, statement about how we should all um, be doing better, And but I take that message to heart. Mm-hmm. You put out a video, I believe, early yesterday morning. Uh, You were wearing a black I Can't Breathe t-shirt, and you said, today we get up and fight for justice all over again. So as governor of Connecticut, uh, Governor Lamont, how do you plan on doing that? The first thing I wanted to do uh, was make sure I had an administration that reflected the amazing diversity of this great state. And um, I, I, I think people know that we've done that. I made a big effort to do a better job of recruiting um, teachers, especially um, uh, teachers of color as well as men. So you had a teacher core that um, uh, reflected the diversity of of our community. And so kids could have somebody they could identify with or somebody different from themselves who they could learn from. Uh, I said to the um, Black and Hispanic Caucus um, early last week, uh, I need your help when it comes to – recruiting um, not just teachers, but uh, judges and law enforcement officers. There we have um, we have a long way to go. So that's one way. I want to make sure that people look at their government and say, um, I think they're looking out for people like me. 
What about police accountability, Governor Lamont? There have been uh, situations in our state, as you know, of young men of color being killed by police in our state. And there have been police accountability measures in our General Assembly led by Senator Gary Winfield. But as governor, what more can be done, again, to hold police accountable so that people in our community, everyone can trust law enforcement and not be fearful? I think we've got to work much more closely with the community. Uh, Gary Renfield has been a leader on this. Uh, I want um, you know police to be part of the community and the community to have confidence in there. And if there are um, bad actors or bad incidents, we just don't deal with it, but we deal with it uh, much more expeditiously. I'm, um, I'm saddened by the slow uh, wheels of justice sometimes. When we think about systemic change, uh, housing, affordability, the fact that uh, people of color who are uh, living in poverty, they are shut out from communities uh, that they want to live because there's not enough affordable housing. This is something you and I have talked about in the past, Governor. That's another way that change can happen. So as we look forward, obviously we're dealing with a public health crisis, this COVID-19 pandemic, but also the public health crisis of people dying and being fearful of the police. And so what can you tell me about how you can work towards uh, making sure that our communities, again, the access, the benefits are open to everyone? Uh, Well, um, first of all, you know, when it comes to housing, we've got to make this uh, a bigger priority. Um, I got to tell you, though, Lucy, uh, up until recently, I I thought housing, um, especially close to public transportation, made sense. People weren't dependent on an automobile, could get to and from work a lot easier. And now you you look around and you say, my gosh, public transportation in the era of COVID, we're going to have to take a look at this. How do we sanitize it? How do we make sure that people can do that safely? And how does that reflect housing? Maybe housing Mm -hmm. ought to be places where you can uh, easier to walk, necessarily Mm -hmm. be dependent upon public transportation. I think... I think COVID, I think we can't forget we're in the middle of a COVID um, pandemic, uh, the worst this country has ever seen. And it, it can't be pushed from our consciousness, but it helps us rethink um, how we live, as you might say, and that includes housing. You can join our conversation with Governor Ned Lamont, 888-720-9677, or find us on Facebook and Twitter at Where We Live. Uh, Because uh, we're talking about COVID-19, we know that more Black and Hispanic residents in our state disproportionately have contracted and died from this disease. Uh, How do you plan on addressing this? Uh, Let's talk about better access to testing. There have been issues with people who want to get tested and can't. There's also been um, issues of testing is available and people don't necessarily want it. We were down in uh, New Haven uh, the other day, and um, we, uh, it's no more drive-through because that's sort of self-selecting. Um, but we had a, a walk-up test right in uh, New Haven uh, Green. And uh, they had capacity to do, uh, whatever, over 100 people, and they had done 35 the day before. And uh, so one of the things I did is I talked to uh, the ministry um Black ministers and uh, federally qualified health centers doing everything we can to encourage people to go in and get tested. You know, make sure they know it's uh, no cost. Make sure they know that um, if found to uh, test positive, uh, we can find a place for you to stay. We can make sure you get your meals. Uh, Make sure that you uh, can keep your job. Do everything we can to remove any of the um, reasons people might be cautious. 
And by the way, that goes for, um, you know, immigrants who aren't eligible for federal benefits, um, uh, quote, undocumented. Tests, no questions asked, paid for. I want to make sure that everybody knows that um, we, we're in this together. Steve's calling from Marlboro. Uh, Steve, you're on the show. Oh, yes. Uh, Governor, uh, thank you for your leadership on this, this awful crisis. We've really appreciated it. Um, I'm a, a 73-year-old man who doesn't have any symptoms and such, but I'm wondering whether or not we're going to see some guidelines that say whether myself, my wife, and others like us might be able to get testing just because, you know, I go out and do shopping and I don't know, you know, if I'm carrying something. I hope not. I believe not. But I want to be sure. So I'm, I'm looking for the new guidelines. Again, thank you. Hey, Steve. Um, appreciate that good question. Um, as you know, um, we now have broad-based testing. We're testing... Um, uh, symptomatic and asymptomatic, as you were describing, I, I feel fine. I just want to get tested. We're prioritizing the first responders, the nurses, docs, nursing homes, um, folks who are regular um, back and forth with the public uh, as part of their necessary job. We're going to be expanding beyond that very soon. We've got um, you know a bunch of drive-in clinics where you can sort of self-diagnose on, say, the CDC web- website. A CBS website, and uh, there you can go uh, drive through and get tested. Are uh, really no questions asked. So um, I'm I'm creeping into that age group. We got to be very careful, Steve. Glenn's calling from West Hartford. You can join us too. Eight 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 seven two zero nine six seven seven. Glenn, go ahead with your question. Yeah, hi. Thank you. I just missed part of that conversation, so I hope this isn't redundant. But uh, I'm seventy, and uh, you know talk to friends and people my age and they're assuming that the state wants a lot of people every as many people as possible to get tested and then you hear stories that i don't have symptoms and i went to get tested and they told me well you don't have symptoms you can't get tested so i you know i i just heard the last comment about cvs but i also heard just something on national news about cvs about the percentage of um cvs uh, outlets where you actually can get tested and it's just very confusing and there's just not one clear message so I want to know I'm 70 uh, I feel fine but I want to go tested get tested because the state wants a lot of people to get tested but uh, I'm hearing that you need to have symptoms so I, I don't get it um, we, we, um, we were just talking about how right now we are prioritizing all those first responders uh, in terms of asymptomatic as well as symptomatic testing every single person in the nursing home, every single person um, in those very congested communities for people closer in our age group are sort of still recommending you stay close to home. But there are a whole variety of, um, you know, drive-through testing where you can self-diagnose and be able to get the testing, um, you know, done and have your insurance to pay for it. Uh, Governor Lamont, we keep hearing this, but again, people are confused about uh, if they go uh, to a website and if they don't have a symptom, are they going to be denied? Is there more that can be done? I know there's been so many mobile um, you know, testing sites that have popped up because of CVS, but for communities that don't have CVS, again, uh, what are some other ways that your administration is talking about getting tests to people who want to get tested no matter the symptoms? Uh, we're at the pharmacies, um, we're rolling that out at the federally qualified health clinics. 
I mentioned the pop-up testing, the likes of which uh, we did down in um, New Haven Green. All those places you can get tested, uh, no questions asked. And so if someone doesn't have a car, there's more options for them to walk up somewhere and get a test. Yeah, that's right, Lucy. We, we found, um, as we rolled out testing, look, we've gone from uh, doing, uh, you know, 20 a day to doing um, 6,000 a day, and we'll be up to 12,000 a day. And then I'll be able to really be able to say anybody can get tested virtually any time. You know, we've got uh, college kids getting back to uh, college in a few months. I've got to make sure we have testing so each and every one of them can be tested, especially before they go back uh, to a residence hall. We're testing everybody that goes into uh, the factory, say, at an electric boat, uh, just to make sure that in those congested areas, so to speak, you can be um, uh, held, uh, you know, have a little more certainty, you know. Um, I know you've got Rodney on uh, later. I mean, it'd be great if people were tested before they go to the casinos, where there are a lot of folks, a lot of uh, older folks, uh, you know, Steve and Glenn's age, perhaps. Uh, make sure they have testing available there before you go into a big um, big environment like that. Right now, I think they are doing the fever testing, which is a start. Is that something that your administration talked with the casinos uh, to do, to actually have a, a testing on site? Yeah, we, um, we had good constructive conversations about um, a a whole bunch of things you can do that would make uh, opening safer. Nothing would have been safer than uh, delaying it a little bit like our um, neighbors in the other states, but um, be that as it may, yeah. And and certainly what they're doing in terms of um, uh, the heat thermometers uh, testing uh, is a start. Hmm. Let's talk a little bit more about reopening. Uh, We're now looking at June 20th for phase two. What does that mean in terms of what you hope to see reopen in Connecticut by then, Governor? Well, first of all, um, we never really had a phase one in the sense that um, we never closed down our manufacturing or big outside construction. We never closed down retail, although for non-essential retail, we said it was for pickup only. Then, uh, I guess it was 10 days ago, May 20th, um, we said uh, outdoor dining. Uh, we said um, even Main Street retail with social protocols, with the mask, you can go in, try to get retail going. We wanted to wait a few weeks, see um, how that how that is working. So far, it seems to be working well. And uh, then in and around June 20th, we said that would be our next phase. And there we're looking at the potential for indoor dining, looking at hotels, looking at other ways we reopen. As you maybe uh, remember, we also uh, did um, churches and other religious gatherings, open that up a little bit as of this weekend. Mm. And when we talk about reopening again, that means that uh, as more businesses open up, like uh, recreational activities, I'm thinking outdoor amusement parks, even going to the movies, people will be told they have to have masks, Governor Lamont? If you can't socially distance, um, if you're close in with people, you should wear a mask. Uh, it's required indoors. That is a very clear. You know, outdoors, if you're standing watching a kid play softball and there's nobody around you, um, use your own judgment. Mm. Uh, when we talked uh, earlier uh, with uh, Commissioner Beth By, uh, you had signed an executive order saying that residential sleepaway camps would remain closed this summer. Uh, then you talked to Hearst, Connecticut, and said that maybe you would reconsider. Uh, so what is it, Governor Lamont? Should residential overnight camps remain closed this summer, according to what your public health experts are saying? 
I think they're going to have to stay closed. Um, I couldn't give a green light until, um, you know, probably July and when we can see exactly what the infection is and the such. And people have said that that's too late. We got to know now or we can't do it this summer. And I can't give you the green light now. So we're not going to have sleepaway camps this summer. Mm. We're up to, I believe, more than 3,800 deaths in Connecticut. Uh, I know hospitalizations continue to move downward. Uh, has Connecticut flattened the curve? You're confident that uh, reopening more businesses June 20th is the right move? Uh, I am, as long as um, COVID behaves and as long as uh, the great people of Connecticut continue to uh, maintain their discipline. But uh, you're right. Uh, I think we were really... Um, Looking at uh, April, early May is a time when our healthcare system could have been over, you know, overblown. You know, you saw what was happening in Queens. You saw what happened in Italy. Uh, and uh, I think uh, our hospitals work together very collaboratively. I think the social distancing made a difference in terms of us slowing down the infection rate, slowing down the hospitalization rate. And that gave us confidence we could uh, have another reopening on May 20th. And, um, June 1st today for a lot of personal services, including air. And, uh, you know, by June 20th, uh, I think we can continue a cautious reopening, provided um, all the metrics keep going in the right direction. Mm -hmm. Rick's calling into the show. Rick, what's your question for Governor Lamont? Hi, uh, good morning, and thank you for all the opportunity. I've got a question. Um, I've been visiting different warehouses all, all the way around Connecticut, and I see those warehouses, they have stacks and stacks, a lot of boxes of Lysol spray. And you go to the store, you don't find anything else anywhere around Connecticut. You go online, you can see online different state has it. Connecticut doesn't have a Lysol. So Lysol has been one of the products that have been controlling the, the, the situation, mm -hmm. the COVID-19. And we don't have it here in Connecticut. And, and I see... This look like somebody is speculating with the products because right now the hand sanitizer is about forty dollars a gallon, mm. and different brands, different people handling. But Lysol is no way to be found mm. anywhere in Connecticut. So, Governor Lamont, if you're hearing uh, Rick about uh, supplies like Lysol, you still can't find them in stores. He worries about how can you remain safe. So, Rick. Um Go to our DECD website, Department of Economic and Community Development. We have uh, targeted all of the uh, masks, Lysol, disinfectants, uh, everything um, you as a family or you as a small business person need in order to be able to open up uh, safely. Uh, we've got you pricing there. Some of it is a price and we've been able to negotiate so you know it's a fair price. And we can show you where there is also access if you need to find a place where you can get, in your case, Lysol. Don't ingest it. We just have a couple of minutes left with the governor. Laura is calling from New Haven. Laura, what's your question? Hi, thank you for taking my call. I wanted to bring to the governor's attention the concern around retail employees, specific to the reopening of the businesses, and um, not necessarily those employees who might co come in contact with 10 or 15 employees, uh, customers a day, but those who are working in the larger regional malls that may come in contact with several hundred um, customers a day, potential for those employees to get sick and the potential for those employees to spread the virus when they go back into their community. And I want to highlight those older retail employees who may still be working in their 60s uh, waiting for retirement and they're um, 
high-level exposure, noting there's been no discussion at the national level or even at the local level, respective of retail employees. Uh, we've talked about first responders being a priority for testing. And um, So you want to see uh, more yeah. retail workers uh, getting tested. Uh, so, Governor Lamont, what can you tell her of prioritizing uh, the, this part of the workforce? Yeah, Laura, um, that's a um, great question. Um, first of all, when it comes to retail, we've had a, a chance to look at um, some of those southern states that opened up uh, you know, way before we did, just to get um, a canary in the coal mine, look at what's going on. Uh, we've certainly opened retail uh, now, but in a, in a limited way, uh, making sure that uh, all the distancing, all the masks, um, all the protocols, all the disinfecting has to take place. We've opened up a couple of hotlines, including 211, where if you are an employee and you feel like um, uh, they're not operating safely and uh, you don't want to say anything, uh, give us a call. We'll make sure that we can go in and uh, make sure that all those protocols are being done. And um, for those older guys in their 60s who are uh, still working, I'm kind of empathetic to that uh, group. Um, you know, my strong recommendation is uh, don't go into work. Uh, do not go into work. Uh, uh, most of these stores are only opening up at 50% capacity. I think you're going to find uh, the customers are um, not all piling back in. So I, I hope to God that uh, the employer um, follows our mandate. The people over the age of 65 should not be going into work, should continue to be able to collect unemployment if they were working before, and uh, give that a little more time. Mm. We're almost out of time, Governor Lamont. Uh, we talked just uh, briefly about the casinos reopening uh, today, partially reopening. Are you happy about that decision by the two tribes? No, I wasn't happy about it. I, I thought we should have waited until um, mid, late June, like our neighbors. I thought that would have been safer for employees, safer for customers, and safer for the region. Mm. And uh, But be that as it may, um, I know Rodney's coming on. He's a good friend. And uh, we tried to work together to find ways that they could reopen as safely as possible. And uh, we made some progress there. So uh, you feel confident with the, the compromise that's been reached? Uh, again, uh, this is a sovereign nation. Both tribes, they can uh, do what they want. But in terms of the safety measures they've put in place, are you feeling good about that at least? Oh, yeah. I mean, at least they're um, not having indoor dining. I think they're not having indoor drinking, or um, i got to check on that. Um, I think there's so, still alcohol they, being served, yes. Say it again? There will still be alcohol served, I believe. I guess that's right. I mean, talk about straws and masks. It sounded not the way I would have done it. Uh, but look, you, we heard from Steve, we heard from Gwen, we heard from Laura. We heard about folks who are, um, you know, older, over 60, over 65, and... Uh, I would not be going to a casino right now, uh, my age group. Um, I just think uh, it's really prudent to wait a little bit. Mm. And Governor Lamont, lastly, we're hearing from a lot of people on social media. They're worried, you know, today is all, June 1st is also when rent is due. Uh, what protections or measures are you giving to people uh, that are worried about being evicted if they don't have uh, their jobs and, and money left to pay for rent? Lucy, we are very clear that no evictions are allowed. Uh, I think that extends at least another month and maybe beyond, depending on where we are on, on COVID. And uh, I've got to make sure that people know that um, your electricity can't be cut off, your cable can't be cut off, your um, 
uh, your rent, you cannot be evicted, you know, provided you were in good standing before COVID. I think uh, these are really important to make sure that we are able to get back on our feet on the backside of this crisis mm-hmm. when that may be. And if someone does run into an issue with their landlord, who should they contact Governor Lamont? Uh, I would probably call our Department of Housing. I'd call that 211 hotline again. Uh, the courts are not, um, you know, operating um, at full throttle. So I think that's going to be less of a relief. But the law is clear. Um, I'll give you a call. Just uh, we're not evicting anybody right now. It's, um, these are some issues beyond your control. Governor Ned Lamont, thank you for calling into where we live today. We appreciate it. All right. Thanks, Lucy. Uh, coming up after the break, uh, as we mentioned, Connecticut's two tribal-owned casinos are reopening today. We're going to hear from the chairman of the Mashantucket Tribal Nation, Rodney Butler. And you can join us, too. Do you plan on going to Foxwoods Resort Casino or Mohegan Sun? You can join us, 888-720-9677. That's 888-720-WMPR. Or find us on Facebook and Twitter at Where We Live. This is Where We Live on Connecticut Public Radio. I'm Lucy Nalpathanchel. We just heard from Governor Ned Lamont, who initially did not want to see Connecticut's two casinos reopen on June 1st, but the tribes have partially reopened. Mohegan Sun opened at 8 a.m. today, and Foxwoods opened to customers uh, in the last hour or so. Joining us now to talk about his casino's reopening plan on Zoom, Rodney Butler, chairman of the Mashantucket Pequot Tribal Nation and executive of Foxwoods Resort Casino. Um, Mr. Rodney Butler, welcome to the show. Good morning, Lucy. Thank you for having me. Uh, so we just uh, heard from the governor a little bit about, again, his hesitancy that uh, and not really wanting to see uh, your casino or Mohegan Sun uh, reopen. So tell us again why it was important to do it today. Uh, well, there wasn't specific around a date, right? It was around when we felt it was safe to do it. And so you have to go back to March 17th when we first closed. I mean, it was 11 weeks ago. Um, and it's amazing how time has gone by. Uh, so quickly. Um, but in those 11 weeks, we've spent a lot of time uh, analyzing what's happening around the country, what's happening around the world. Uh, as you know, I was on the Reopen CT uh, Business Advisory Committee as well. And so, you know, looking at the same data, we're looking at from a state perspective and, and the region as well and, and saying, how do we how do we best prepare to reopen? And so there was never a specific date in mind. It was just looking at the data and looking at um, at all the protocols that we've implemented to open safely. We're going to be hearing from a reporter for Connecticut Public Radio, Frankie Graziano, in just a few minutes, who's actually at Foxwoods to see what it looks like. But you also had a soft opening on Saturday. How many people were invited to come through? And walk us through what the casino floor looks like right now. Yeah, it, you know, and that's that's the perspective that you need, right? Um, because it's not the Foxwoods of two months ago, three months ago, certainly not the Foxwoods of New Year's Eve. Uh, as as some might be concerned of. I mean, this, it's a whole new world. Um, we only have two casinos open out of our five, and that's the Grand Pequot and the Great Cedar Casino. Um, driving in, there's only three entrances, and each entrance is manned by security uh, with temperature readers at each entrance or signage um, that the governor uh, had talked about uh, earlier about warning people. Uh, that are at risk of, you know, over 65 and, and pre-existing conditions and, and the like. Um, the restaurants are, are closed for the most part. There's just counter service. 
uh, that you can pick up and grab and go. And it's and everyone's wearing masks and there's no smoking. I mean, it's a it's a whole new phosphorus. Um, and really, you know, the way that I describe it is that this is just phase one of many upon reopening. And we're just going to watch the data and work with the state and the surrounding region and and, uh, and safely continue to expand our footprint. You mentioned temperature checks at the door. We just heard Governor Lamont say that uh, testing patrons before they go into the casino would be something he would have wanted to see. Is that something that you talked about? Is that even possible to get a rapid test that quickly before someone uh, comes in because of the fact that a lot of people are asymptomatic, Rodney? Yeah, it's, yeah. I'm, I'm not the medical professional. Uh, we've consulted with uh, countless ones in this reopening process. Um, I, I think the testing itself takes longer uh, than... Um, uh, than that. And so I don't know, that'd be an efficient way. And so we felt and all the professionals we talked with felt that having the temperature check uh, is the best uh, safeguard, at least initially. Um, if someone does test over 100.4 degrees or pull aside there, uh, they do a COVID questionnaire uh, and then they actually get retested. And if they, their temperature remains high, uh, they're escorted, they're asked to leave. Uh, Anne is uh, tweeting us, say, asking, "Will casino employees be regularly tested for COVID nineteen, Rodney?" So we're actually we're actually looking at that, right? Um, we've had some uh, some constructive dialogue with both Yale and, and Hartford Healthcare about the science of that and if it's warranted. And it's interesting. I think every employer around the state is going through the same discussion in their minds of, of Do you test every employee? Do you test them regularly? And if you do test them, um, how how often do you have to test them to follow up? Right. Because if I test negative today, can I be positive tomorrow? And the like, so um, we're, we're certainly exploring that. But as of now, we don't. The, the employees go through the same uh, uh, entrance process that the patrons do as far as getting their temperature checks. Um, and they ask their ask questionnaires. Uh, we give them all a health questionnaire to, to see how they're feeling and look for certain signs of the virus as well. Uh, and we'll stay on that uh, actively. You're hearing Rodney Butler on Zoom here on Where We Live. He's chairman of the Mashantucket Pequot Tribal Nation and executive for Foxwoods Resort Casino. You can join us, too. Have you been looking forward to the two tribal-owned casinos reopening? Do you plan on going or maybe not? You can join us 888-720-9677 or find us on Facebook and Twitter at Where We Live. As I mentioned, Frankie Frankie Graziano uh, from Connecticut Public Radio uh, went down to Foxwoods uh, this morning to see what it looks like. in terms of people showing up and how the casino floor looks very different from what many of us are used to. Frankie, are you there? Hi, Lucy. Nice to talk to you. Yeah, thanks for calling in. So tell us, uh, where are you exactly and what's it looking like? I am at the Grand Pequot Tower at Foxwoods, which is open right now to 25% capacity. And just for ambiance, I'm walking a little closer to the temperature check area for you (laughs) as we talk here this morning. So did they take your temperature, Frankie, before you got in? They did. I walked through the temperature scan. I didn't see exactly what the temperature was, but essentially what's happening is they're in this area, they're getting people off of the elevator. They walk through a cordoned off area that's very secure, and there's a thermal scanner that works with a camera, and those two work together to uh, gauge folks' temperature when they walk in. So tell me about who is there right now, and it was supposed to open at 9, so how did that go? Okay, so it seems like there are a a lot of people here. I'm I'm not sure uh, what it is in relation to capacity, but there's a a good traffic flow of people in here. There was concern about whether or not people would actually show up today, but I think uh, that's got to be allayed by the amount of people I see. Um, And there was also concern about traffic flowing into the building this morning. But as you said, it did open a little earlier than 9. 
officials uh, decided to do that so that they could monitor traffic and get people in as uh, easy as they could. So uh, tell me, when we just had uh, Governor Lamont on, uh, are you? What are you hearing from guests? Are they excited, or in terms of you know, why they showed up today? Yes, really quickly, I did see. Uh, as I said, there's that bank of elevators that takes people through the secure area, and uh, there was uh, three women: a woman uh, that's a mother, her daughter, and a sister-in-law, and they were cheering coming off of the casino. One of them said it was too early. Uh, it was uh, not early enough, I guess. They wanted to make sure they could get out here as soon as they could. So a lot of excitement from those guests. And uh, on my way into the casinos, Lucy, I'll tell you really quick, there were signs outside, uh, they're from the state confirmed, that say avoid large gatherings, don't gamble with COVID. So that's a bit of a state response to this reopening today. Oh, that's interesting. And when we look at uh, the people that you see, Frankie, we've heard the governor say several times uh, before June 1st, he's worried about older patrons to the casinos uh, because of the, the uh, transmission and uh, lethality of COVID-19 and the older population. So when you look around, are people all ages? What can you give us an idea of who you're seeing exactly in terms of age range? Oh, just uh, just eyeing it. I don't want to sound discriminatory or anything <laughs> like that, but uh, but it does sound it does look as though uh, you know people that are uh, of all ages, but mostly the the older population. Because remember, it is nine o'clock, and this is generally when you would see buses come through to the casino. Mm-hmm. Um, I did speak with with somebody who was a little bit older, maybe a little bit older than I am, Lucy, and they said if you're going to get COVID, you're going to get it. Uh, so the, no concern out of her uh, at this time, and she had her uh, Patriots mask on. So folks wearing masks here as uh, is stipulated. I guess she's YOLO, huh? <laughs> yeah, you only live once. You only <laughs> casino once, I guess. Well, Frankie, thank you for calling in from Foxwoods Resort Casino today here on Where We Live. I wanted to go back to uh, Rodney Butler. He, he mentioned something about buses not coming in. So when we talk about capacity, talk again about the measures you've put in place to help people socially distance when they're inside Foxwoods, Rodney. Yeah, thank you, Lucy. And that's a great point. That actually that starts before you get to Foxwoods. And so many people don't re- realize that we actually started closing down some of those high touch point uh, areas of, of the resort before we actually closed the overall facility. And so like the buffet and poker uh, and buses coming in from New York and Boston, we actually uh, stopped those before we actually closed on March 17th. And so those areas in particular, uh, we actually don't have dates for them to reopen. Uh, because of one, the, the the age demographic for events like bingo um, and the close quarters in those in those in those spaces. So, um, you know, with social distancing in general, again, everyone's wearing masks. Um, in fact, with the soft opening you mentioned that earlier, we had a couple hundred people uh, both Saturday and Sunday, and it was really just to test procedures and get the employees ready. Um, you know, we are very strict on the on the that you must wear masks, and we actually had to eject. Uh, two individuals over this weekend that weren't wearing masks. And so, you know, it's all about safety. And we have a diligent uh, surveillance and security crew that are focused on it. Uh, the staff are all uh, educated on on how to communicate with patrons and, and make sure that they're being safe uh, and keeping their distance as well. Mm. So uh, keeping distance from patrons is one thing, but when you are playing games in a casino, you're touching a lot of things. How are you sanitizing uh, the chips, the cards? Uh, I'm just curious if you could walk us through uh, those yeah. measures. No, great question, Lucy. So a couple things here. Um, so you know, casinos were you know pre-COVID were were high, highly uh, sanitized and, and cleansed environments, and so we've really just taken it to another level. Again, with the, with the spacing of the machines, we typically have 
you know, we're 4,000 slot machines in play. And as we're reopening, we have just over 1,000. And so there's, and, and with their spacing, we can actually address them more quickly. And so when people play on a machine, uh, they'll hit the call button and immediately we'll have a, we have a cleaning crew, a designated cleaning crew that walks through the facility and cleans every machine after each use. And then we also do a deep cleaning process. We partner with Ecolab and they use this uh, Decon 30 process that's used in hospitals, um, you know, that, that kills viruses and germs. And then on the table games, we have we've spaced players out. Uh, just for example, in blackjack, you typically have seven players at a table. We have three, and you have a plexiglass divider between each player and between the dealer. Dealers don't touch the card. I mean, the players do. They don't. They don't touch the cards. Uh, they do touch the chips. But uh, in order to play at a table, you actually uh, receive uh, some hand sanitizer once you sit down. And then, so when you're touching the chips, uh, your hands are, are essentially at least freshly cleaned. Uh, the dealers are using hand sanitizer, uh, and then as well, we're also spraying the uh, the chips uh, regularly uh, in between uh, in between the hours. Mm. Uh, you mentioned earlier that everyone must wear a mask. I'm curious about the the foot traffic. Uh, the people that are coming in are they only going to be Connecticut residents? Are you keeping out of state residents from coming into your um, your casino? How are you handling that? So what we've what we've done is we've we we focused our marketing efforts on Connecticut and Rhode Island residents only. I mean, you know, being where we're at in southeastern mm-hmm. Connecticut, I mean, essentially Rhode Island's an extension of Connecticut. When we look at the case count of COVID, uh, there's much lower counts in Rhode Island compared to Connecticut, especially uh, in relation to where we're at. And so our marketing focus solely on those two states, um, and we haven't done any marketing outside of, of, of this region. Uh, but if a, But if someone drives in from... New Hampshire or Vermont or upstate New York, and, and they, they'll go through the same rigorous testing that any other patron coming into the property will go through. And so we're not going to we're not going to tackle people and turn them away and handcuff them uh, if they're from out of state. Uh, but we're certainly focusing our marketing efforts on in-state residents uh, mm. for the time being. Is that problematic, uh, Rodney? Because uh, we know that states, especially uh, around uh, the Northeast, uh, you know, public health officials are saying if someone is coming from out of state, say to Connecticut, or if we're going to Vermont, you know, there should be. They say there should be a fourteen-day quarantine of that person before they, you know, start moving around the state. And so, you know, said you're not going to tackle people coming from out of state if they show up and you're doing the temperature checks. But is it problematic? Because as word uh, goes that you're open and people are looking for something to do. You you might see a lot more people from out of state coming to your casino. Yeah, that, that's a possibility, Lucy. But again, the focus on the sanitization is the key, right? Everyone's wearing masks. It's, we have hand sanitizers uh, stations throughout the property, and we're constantly, constantly uh, cleaning and wiping things down. Um, and, and again, uh, using the, uh, the same system that you see in hospitals as far as, as cleaning. Hmm. You know, we had the governor on earlier and, you know, we there's been a lot of attention on, uh, again, he didn't want to see your casino or Mohegan Sun open. He was hoping that uh, regionally the casinos would all open at once. But I want you to talk a little bit more about your relationship with the Lamont administration, uh, because, again, uh, the tribes have had a longstanding relationship with the state of Connecticut for decades now. And it just seems like there's a lot of butting of heads in terms of how do you reach compromise, whether it's this or earlier with talking about online betting before that, where do we put another third casino? I'm just curious what your thoughts are on. Do you feel like the administration um, respects the tribe's relationship with the state? You know, um, 
I would say that, you know, it's a learning process. It's a new relationship. Actually, I mean, obviously, it's a long relationship between the tribe and the state. Um, but every time there's turnover uh, in the governor, uh, in their administration, you know, there's always a, a, a learning curve where we have to figure out how we're going to work together. And yes, I mean, to your point, I, I would say in all instances, it's been incredibly cordial and open. And we've had regular dialogue. And even when we've disagreed, we just agree to disagree. Right. But I think this process that we just went through um, and and the consideration that the governor and his team had taken to add me to the reopening team uh, really showed you the commitment to working with us. And even in this process, uh, as far as reopening, uh, you know, the governor had pointed out that he was concerned or didn't necessarily agree with our opening date. But um, as of last week, he, he followed through and we had regular dialogue uh, with he and then his, and then his commissioners. And I just have to give a shout out to commissioners uh, Lehman and, and Siegel and Gifford, uh, you know, consummate professionals. They came down last week. They walked the property, both us and Mohegan, looked at our procedures and gave us some great advice and some great feedback on things that we could do and, and modify in order to open uh, more safely. Uh, and again, not quite to the degree that the governor was looking for, but there was some significant compromise here. And so I think despite uh, how we got here, I'm really encouraged by how we came together and what the relationship is going to look like moving forward. I think getting through this very challenging time just shows you what we're capable of doing, working together, and um, really optimistic about what's ahead for the state and the relationship with both tribes. We're going to be heading to a short break in just a couple of minutes, but I wanted to ask you again, so important to contain the spread of this disease um, throughout all the measures, even if taking temperatures, sanitation, if there is someone who contracts COVID and they're traced back to coming to Foxwoods uh, for a day of fun, you know, how, what is the, the casino's response then in terms of, um, you know, containing the spread? Will you close if, uh, or a certain part of the casino will close. Uh, how do you uh, deal with that kind of concern? Well, a couple things there, Lucy. We've actually uh, communicated with the state that we'll work with them, uh, coordinate with them on, on contract, uh, contact tracing. Uh, and if there's an opportunity to do so, I mean, we have extensive databases. We know a lot about our players and we can track them better than, than most uh, facilities around the state. I mean, if you go into a, a Home Depot, if you're going to West Farms Mall, um, there's very limited opportunity to figure out who you're in contact with and who you're touching. And, and we know everyone that, that's in our building for the most part. And so, I mean, we'll be diligent. We'll continue to be diligent. Uh, again, working with the medical professionals that we have, we feel like the um, sanitization processes that we've implemented um, should prevent or at least minimize the, uh, the, the those contact points and, and the spreading. And if there is a specific area, obviously we'll dive into that, um, or a specific department, we'll dive in there and, and do cleansing and, and the contract contact tracing that's that's required. You're hearing Rodney Butler on Where We Live. Again, he's chairman of the Mashantucket Pequot Tribal Nation and executive for Foxwoods Resort Casino. We're talking with Rodney today as uh, Foxwoods and Mohegan Sun have reopened. You can join us too, 888-720-9677. After the break, we're going to talk about how all of this is impacting the casino industry, and we hope you join us too. Yeah. 
You're listening to Where We Live on Connecticut Public Radio. I'm Lucy Nalbethanchel. Today we're talking about Connecticut's casinos rolling the dice and partially reopening today, uh, more than two weeks before Connecticut's Phase 2 reopening begins. They've been closed, though, since March. Do you plan on going to the casinos? Find us on Facebook and Twitter at Where We Live. On Zoom today, Rodney Butler, Chairman of the Mashantucket Pequot Tribal Nation and Executive for Foxwoods Resort Casino. And joining us now is Andy Rosen, business reporter covering the casino industry for the Boston Globe. Andy, welcome to show. Thanks for having me. Uh, Part of the reason we wanted to have you on is because, again, uh, Connecticut's two casinos are reopening uh, among the first uh, in the nation. Among the first, there have been some others. But in the Northeast region, they are the first. Uh, What is how is Massachusetts handling uh, their casinos? Well, obviously, Massachusetts has a very different situation with its casinos. Um, We came to the industry later than Connecticut. But a primary difference is that we don't have tribal casinos here. There's been a proposal for one in southeastern Mass for a long time, but it hasn't happened, which means that the casinos that we do have here, three, one near Boston and Everett, uh, one in Springfield and one in Plainville, uh, those three are in full control of state regulators and are essentially completely aligned with the state's reopening plan. How has uh, this pandemic impacted the casinos in Massachusetts? Well, like every casino that's been closed, they've basically been cut off from all revenue. And remember, these are very new facilities. The one in the Boston area just just opened last year. So these are places that are just trying to find their footing. And, um, you know, they're taking a very big hit. Um, Some other states have some forms of online gambling, which casino companies are a part of. Uh, Massachusetts doesn't have that. So Basically, they're just waiting, and it's been a huge impact on the workforce. I mean, in Springfield and Plainville, they've furloughed or laid off most of their workers since April. Um, Wynn Resorts, the company that owns Encore Boston Harbor, they paid their employees uh, up until yesterday, and many of them are still on the payroll, but they began doing furloughs. Uh, they cut their part-timers yesterday. Uh, yesterday, So it's, you know, it's really starting to have an impact on an industry that spent a lot of energy trying to build up a workforce in a mm-hmm. profession that didn't really exist here before. Well, Rodney Butler, uh, what has been the impact? Uh, millions of dollars lost uh, each day that you've been closed? Yeah, it's millions a week. And so mm-hmm. when you have payroll of the 6,000 employees and, and, and health benefits to follow that, um, and then just the infrastructure costs, the ongoing infrastructure costs, I mean, you, you can't shut down the building. Right. And so you have basic maintenance going on. You have utilities you have to pay. And so, I mean, it's in the range of twenty five million a month uh, that's costing us to be closed. What has been the impact on the Pequot people, uh, the people that are part of your family, uh, Rodney, uh, because the casinos have lost so much money? Well, that, that is the, 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 the key question here uh, for us. We're a tribal nation first and, and, and we have citizens that have services just like any other state and municipality we have our own fire and police and court system uh education health care uh and the like and so that's a double-edged sword so we see the economic challenge of the casino being closed but unlike any other uh state or municipality we don't have a tax base here on the reservation and so we rely on the the gaming revenues to fund our um our municipal efforts our government efforts and so you know we've had to cut back on programs and uh, and, and, and in addition to that, most of my family members, most of our tribe members actually work at the casino. So 
We have an, uh, an incredible level of unemployment on the reservation related to the casino being closed. And uh, it, it's a challenge, you know, but, but we've been fortunate. We've had literally one one uh, confirmed case of COVID uh, amongst our tribal members, and that was actually not here on the reservation. It was uh, externally. And so, you know, everyone's healthy. My elders are, uh, are, are doing well. And, you know, I say this too. I mean, you know, when we're looking at reopening, it just tells you that the level that of, you know, of, of safety and, and security that we're, we're focused on. I have tribal elders that work here at Foxwoods. And so I'm looking at it from a family perspective and the health and well-being of them and making sure that it's safe for them to return to work. Uh, before we end, uh, Rodney Butler, I, I believe that your casino is hoping to operate it to about 30 percent capacity. But um, as you look at what happens in the next few weeks, uh, do you anticipate that that capacity will grow? No. So it, right now we're at 25 percent capacity, um, but that's also of a, a, a smaller footprint as well. And so if there is an opportunity to expand the footprint, we'd open up uh, other sections of the building but still running those at a 25% capacity. Um, but this is all going to happen in time. I mean, you know, next week um, uh, is when Rhode Island casinos are opening up. Um, upstate New York facilities are opening up in this week and next week. Um, Delaware is opening up this week. And so the, the region is slowly starting to open up. And of the 989 casinos across the country that were all closed at one point, you've got almost a quarter of them that are reopening. So we're all going to learn from each other. Um, and, and, and expand uh, appropriately. And again, con continue to consult with all the health professionals that we have internally and externally. Well, I want to thank Rodney Butler again for joining us today, Chairman of the Mashantucket Pequot Tribal Nation and an executive at Foxwoods Resort Casino. Rodney, thank you for your time. Thank you, Lucy. Appreciate it. Also, Andy Rosen was with us, business reporter covering the casino industry for the Boston Globe. Andy, thanks for your perspective. Glad to be here. Uh, today's show produced by Tess Terrible, Carmen Baskoff on the phones today. Our tech producer is Kat Pastor. I'm Lucy Nalpathanchel. Thanks for listening. <laughs>